you really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Country Roads webcast. Here to discuss the upcoming Oklahoma State game and provide our preview for it. I'm Jordan, here with my co-host, Stephen. How you doing, everybody? And my other co-host, Bradley. And we back. Back again, uh, second game of the season, following a, a bye week last week after the season opening win. Uh, West Virginia going to take on Oklahoma State, who's also 1-0. Uh, they had a 16-7 to win over a Tulsa game. A lot of people I don't think saw them struggling in, but that dropped them to number 15 in the polls from number 11. Got a 3.30 kickoff. It'll be coming at you nationally on ABC. As we said, West Virginia coming off the bye week. Oklahoma State played last week against Tulsa, a game they were able to uh, squeak out just barely, but uh, now they face the Mountaineers. Mountaineers coming into Stillwater for this one on Saturday. What are you guys opening thoughts uh, looking ahead to this matchup, Bradley? Um, I'm excited after seeing like uh, being able to sit on, ponder on it a little bit more. Uh, we saw a struggling Oklahoma State team. Uh, we looked pretty darn good. I'm just excited to get some like serious football. It kind of feels nice to like. I know the early con- like non-conference games are usually nice, like you know, confidence builders. But it feels nice to just be jumping right into it. You know, sights unseen. They don't know what we got. We don't know what they got really. So, you know, Absolutely. I'm I'm very excited for this game. Stephen, uh, what about you? Opening thoughts for this one. Uh, yeah, likewise, I'm I'm super excited about this game. I think it's going to be a good measuring stick game for where this team is at at this point in the season. I think it'll be a truer test, obviously, than what last week or two weeks ago was for us against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, yeah, so I'm, that's why I'm mainly super excited about this one, just to see where we're at, see where we stack up. Yeah, it's a big it's a big measuring stick game, and you know, um, I think Oklahoma State they struggled in that first game, but I think that. We'll get a much improved Oklahoma State team, as hopefully they do with West Virginia. Because I've heard before, guys, that uh, teams improve a lot from that first game to that uh, second game. I heard that somewhere once. <laughs> yeah, wise man once told me that. Yeah, I heard that. So it once. might be a cliche, but <laughs> but uh, pro- probably true, especially when Oklahoma State struggled as unexpectedly as they did um, last year. These two teams played, and it was actually a pretty good game. Came down to the wire. Uh, West Virginia actually had the lead on Oklahoma State up ten seven at halftime. Uh, but the struggle to put the ball in the end zone in the re- in the red zone, they got down there a few times in that second half and couldn't couldn't do it. Ended up uh, being a twenty to thirteen loss to Oklahoma State. Uh, West Virginia held Chuba Hubbard in check for uh, most of that game. Uh, he finished with 106 yards, but he did that on 26 carries, where he really did his damage last year was on all those check down passes as he finished with seven receptions for 88 yards. Uh, Jarrett Dagey passed for over 300 yards for the Mountaineers last year. And the uh, big thing was West Virginia only had 26 rushing yards on 22 carries. So um, looking back at, at last year's game, gentlemen, um, how do you think that feeds into this game, or does it uh, really factor in for you guys at all? The only – uh, you know, a lot of common players come back for both teams, but I think that West Virginia's improved a lot in Oklahoma State. You know, they may have to, especially I think defensively they've got a lot to offer. But uh, West Virginia didn't face uh, Spencer Sanders last year for Oklahoma State. He was injured, and that may be a, uh, the case again this year. But looking back at last year's matchup, uh, what are your thoughts uh, looking ahead to this one, Stephen? Uh, last year's matchup, um, I think very much so 
was a turning point or maybe the turning point in the season for West Virginia in terms of uh, playing better down the stretch. And I think that was a lot of the reason that they turned it around and was able to win that game at TCU was because of the play in this game. And I know we lost this game, uh, but like you said, it was a very close game down the stretch. We led this game at halftime last year, and I think that probably – I know it's in Neil Brown's mind. I know it's got to be in a lot of the players' minds. Um, also, when you think about – you know, some different aspects of this game, like Josh Seals transferred over to Oklahoma State. It's going to be starting on, oh, that's, yeah, on their that's offensive line. So, you know, that has to play a little bit, um, you know, into how the players feel. You know, they're going to be, I'm sure, you know, every, I don't think there's any hard feelings about him leaving the program, but you know that whenever you go up against a player that used to play for your program, and especially such a, such a talented player, mm-hmm. um, it's it's going to be, it's going to have a factor in the game. So. Oh, absolutely. There's a storyline that's just not getting enough publicity right now. Oh, I really. know. I know. And Neil, you know, they asked him, they asked uh, Neil Brown in the in the press conference about it, and he kind of blew it off like he hasn't really thought about it. But mm-hmm. that I, I feel that's more of him avoiding the subject more so than, I, I thought he has to have thought about it at some oh, yeah. point. You think you know you know the players definitely have for sure. Oh yeah, you know they have because they talk. All the players are close, and uh, from you Absolutely. know you see on social media they still comment on each other's posts and everything. So I don't, I like I said, no hard feelings. I don't believe, uh, but you know when you get on a football field, it's it, everything changes. Absolutely, I, I agree one hundred percent. Bradley, what about you? Anything you want to add to that in regards to last year's matchup and looking ahead to this one early on? I had to go back and even the guys. Last year was a big blur for me. Yeah, a lot of it was. I forgot that we were that close. Honestly, I'd forgotten that we'd kept it that close against Oklahoma State and even had the, the lead to half. Yeah, and I mean, Oklahoma State was definitely a, a very good team last year. Um, I think, just looking at it, obviously we couldn't get a run game going. We did all right receiving. Story of the season last year. So this is the game where, did Jarrett Diggy start this game? Yeah, I think that that was his second his first, second start. Second? I think. Yeah, I think I think Kansas State was the first, and then it was Oklahoma State after Kansas State, I believe. Because I believe the tail end of the game. Yeah, I, I think it was like Texas Tech. He played the tail end, and then it was Kansas State, and then Oklahoma State, and then uh, who was it? TCU and and someone else. I think I can't remember. But TCU was the last game. I can't. Um, might have been. No, that's right. Then because that would have been four games because he played the tail end of Texas Tech, started against Kansas State. Yeah. Oklahoma State and TCU. Yeah, start three. Yep, that's it. Jumps out to me, Chuba Hubbard just dotted this up last year in the run game and the passing game, which I heard Neil Brown mention that earlier in the week, how, you know, Chuba Hubbard really hurt us in the receiving. Yeah, that's where he killed us because, you know, he got got the 106 yards, but a lot of that came, ended up coming late when he had a couple Mm -hmm. chunk plays. But we actually held him in check early in that game, I remember. But then once we started holding him him in check when they tried to hand the ball off to him, they just slipped him out and threw the ball to him, and we had no answer for it. Just a short little screen passes off to the side, just nonstop. And and then our linebackers couldn't pick up and fill off on the sides. Yep. But, I mean, other than that, like, I know Oklahoma State's got a lot of players returning, and they didn't really look that impressive against Tulsa. I think a big thing about Oklahoma State's game with Tulsa, I've heard people bring up their third down stats, 600 times this week in the interviews and their press conferences and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think a big part of that is the fact that they had 100-plus yards of penalties. Yeah. I mean, that's just that, – that'll kill any team. And they said that Tulsa was one of the top three most penalized teams in the country last year, if not the most penalized team in the country last year. And I'm hoping – we had a few mistakes last week with penalties, you know, some blocking the backs on special teams and – um, we had some off, like uh, offsides on the offense, but that was Bryson Mays and the young guys getting in. So I don't really expect us to have that same kind of issue. So I'm thinking if 
if we can avoid that same mistake that Tulsa did, they had a chance to move the ball a lot. They just shot themselves in the foot every time they got to like third down and two, third down and three. They were moving themselves back. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be a big thing for us. Is just you know, we avoid the unnecessary penalties. We should be able to really make this game competitive, if not really you know bring some excitement. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. With, I agree with what you're saying, and that and that's what it looked like to me was Tulsa moved the ball fine, but once they got into the red zone. They couldn't uh, couldn't put it in, and you know that kind of goes back to West Virginia last year. That was the struggle they had against Oklahoma State, like so many other teams that have had. I think you can tell Oklahoma State this defense really prides themselves on third down stops and forcing field goal attempts in the red zone because that's kind of where their strong suit is. As you said, Tulsa didn't convert a single third down all game. Really struggled in the red zone. And the Oklahoma State defense West Virginia played last year was good, but I think this one's going to be even better. Uh, they're returning 10 starters. They've been talking around Stillwater that maybe the best defense Mike Gundy's ever had. And, you know, maybe maybe it is the defense that's that good. And, you know, the, of course, the Oklahoma State offense struggled more than expected, but maybe it's the defense that's going to carry them this year. I don't know. But I, I was impressed by it, even though it was against Tulsa. Yeah, they gave up some yards. Yeah, they gave up, uh, you know, the one touchdown. But after that, shut them out from there. No third down conversion. Stopped them in the red zone. So, you know, West Virginia's offense is going to have to find a way to make plays in key critical situations like third downs and once they get into into scoring territory there. But looking at West Virginia's offense versus Oklahoma State defense, um, West Virginia last year was unable to run the ball and still only lost by seven as Daggy threw for over 300. So you got to think that if West Virginia finds some uh, success with the ground game like they were able to do against Eastern Kentucky and uh, Daggy can do what he did uh, – duplicate if not improve on what he did last season to Oklahoma, to this Oklahoma State, which, as I said, returns 10 starters. So it's a lot of the same personnel there. That the West Virginia offense uh, stands a chance to put some points up and some yards up against uh, this Oklahoma State defense, don't you think, Stephen? Oh, I, I absolutely do. I think that Jerry Deggie is much improved from when he played this Oklahoma State team a year ago. Uh, I think this offense is much improved from when they played this this team a year ago. So I, I'm, I'm, I know their defense has weapons, but I think our offense weapon, our offensive weapons can match up very well against them. So, yeah, I think it matches up really well. I think so. I think so, too. Bradley, what about you? You think this West Virginia offense uh, matches up well with this Oklahoma State defense who, you know, is being, uh, being touted as one of the better ones that Mike Gundy's ever had there? Yeah, I think so, too. From what I hear, they're going to run a lot of man coverage. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of press know, coverage, real yeah, physical. Yeah. And I think that, We've got some good wide receivers that are going to be willing to step up to that challenge and just be like, okay, like you want to play man, like let's play man, and you know that should that should actually be like a, a combination for a pretty exciting game when it comes to the past. Uh, you know, just as like a football lover watching, you know, that 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 press man coverage oh, yeah, is absolutely. fun to watch. Yeah, if they play um, man all game, they, we love to go deep, so that's not I don't feel like there's going to be an issue. Nah, you know, we've got weapons at receiver. Even so even off the short, you know, the those over the middle throws. I mean, T.J. Simmons, they're planning on using him over the middle. He's known for the long ball throw. The mm-hmm. first catch he ever caught in West Virginia in the lot, uniform was a long ball in, long ball in Charlotte middle. for a touchdown. And I heard that la- the last year against Oklahoma State that that's where um, we really heard him was down the middle. Jared Daigie had like I think I think I heard it that them say that he had a seventy eight percent completion percentage down and passes that went down the middle against Oklahoma State and like uh, 200, some of his 300 yards were down the middle there. So, you know, they may have found this, uh, the, the weak spot there. And I think West Virginia's got the receivers to do it. And then also I think the run game is really going to open it up because uh, Oklahoma State's not going to be able to pin, just pin their ears back and come after us like they could last year. I think they had a few sacks in that game. But, you know, the run game's going to be a threat this year. I, I feel like I, I think that it wasn't a fluke against Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, and something that still worries me some is, like, I think Daigie has a good arm, but I still think he doesn't have, like, supreme strength. 
mm-hmm. in, his, in his throwing arm. Because, I mean, he's still... And some of those passes you would have liked to have seen him uh, that we saw against Eastern Kentucky, like the one with Bryce Wheaton that he dropped, and honestly the touchdown with Sam James. If you, you see like the receivers have to let up just a little bit to get a chat ball, and what you want to see is like you know really just putting it in that extra yard or two so that way a receiver never has to let up or stop. They can just run right underneath of the ball. True. True. And so like that's the only thing that's going to worry me with these deep balls if we're going to run man coverage is like if, if that's the game plan, then you have to be able to hit those long balls or else we're going to have some turnovers. Which, I mean, Dagey's been pretty good about not throwing interceptions and throwing good balls, but like those are ones where you know you have one little slip-up and that ball doesn't get the right oomph under it. You know, you're, you might be spelled for disaster. Yeah, that, that's, I think, you know, I think a lot of the reason due to that is because of, you know, the lack of practices, I guess. You it's timing, that timing. Been able to have. Yeah, and I think the first game, that's what more so that they were doing was – they were, if you notice, they threw the deep ball all game, all game long, pretty much until Garrett Green got in the game, and then then they started running the ball. And then, but Jared Deggy, I mean, for the most part, when he was in the game, he was slinging that ball the whole time. And I think that's because they knew that they were going to be, you know, as a mismatch with EKU's defense, and they were going to, you know, take advantage of that and use that time more so as you know as a progression builder towards the next week. So I think maybe. That's just my opinion on it. I don't know if that's what the plan was, but you know, that's if that was the plan, I thought it was a pretty good one. And hopefully See, I, they can get it corrected a little bit more with you know, just that little bit of a half step like you said. Yeah, well, because you know you're gonna need you're gonna need to have some big plays against against Oklahoma State because even if, if your defense has a great showing against them, which I you know, spoiler alert for when we talk about the West Virginia defense versus Oklahoma State offense here in a bit, I think they will, but you're still gonna have to make some plays because uh, Oklahoma State's gonna find a way to make some plays. I think like and a big part a game of game like, that you're going to make plays in to make yourself known in this country and known around college football. This is the game to do it. It's going to be on absolutely. ABC, national television. Time to yeah. step up. Three top, 15, top fifteen opponent. Yep. But I think like what you were talking about with Eastern Kentucky. I think we could have gone downfield more often with them because I think I said I don't remember who I told it to, but I was like we could run just like four verts all game and probably complete every single pass because there's yeah. No but you way. have to also understand that that. Letty Brown and Alex Singfield have to have to get their due because we have to establish oh, yeah. that our run they, game has improved. Well, they wanted to build that confidence with the line and with the run game for sure. The game plan was very vanilla. You, like, out of the run plays we ran, we pretty much ran the same one or two run plays the whole game, just different variations and flipping the sides and formation a little bit, but the same one or two run plays. And I guarantee our past concepts were probably as vanilla as they could be, and we really didn't tip our hand at anything for Oklahoma State. Well, I think that some of it, what I was trying to get to is like that we, instead of like just throwing it deep every single play, because we could have done that and won the game yeah. easily. You know what I mean? Like we would have never struggled just on the deep ball. I think that they were trying to get in the rhythm of like, this is typically what our offense is going to go. Like you're going to, you know, hit these runs and then we're going to try to go with like this kind of passing scheme and then this passing scheme. And they were trying to get like guys in the habit of like, okay, after we run this, we're going to turn around and run this. And like, this is where he's going to be, you know, like we're going to run this kind of play, try to set us up on this sideline, like on this hash. And then when we get like done with this play on this hash where we want to be, that we're going to turn around and run this play, so that way you know this guy's going to be right here on that deep ball. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Well, I th- especially when you got a lot of uh, younger guys that are still b- building chemistry and getting used to the to the offense. Yeah, so that's why I was kind of glad that they didn't. Like I said, they could have just run deep balls all the time, but I'm glad they didn't. That they actually ran a little bit more of like, okay, we're going to run some, you know, some short passes, some swing passes, make sure we're hitting our checkdowns and getting where we want to be on the field. Because I think No Brown really thinks about that all the time. Is like, where do I want to be on the field right now? Do I want to be on this hash, this hash? Do I want to be, you know, dead center? What kind of game plan am I running here? And so I think that's the way. I think that's what he was kind of doing was just like, 
working his offense as if he wasn't going against a weak defense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, speaking of the offense, uh, depth chart uh, release for the Oklahoma State game earlier this week. A uh, few changes. The suspensions are, are done and over with, so uh, a lot of those guys get their starting spots back. With some surprises there or some of the changes there. Of course, as I said, Junior Zebu's back at left tackle, Chase Barrett back at center. Uh, one change was the true freshman Jordan White, now listed as the backup at right guard in place of the retro freshman Parker Moore. Um, and then at the the biggest surprise, I think, uh, was the other surprise, was at the slot receiver position, T.J. Simmons is back, but he is uh, second string. True freshman Reese Smith going to be the starter at that slot receiver position. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, on this depth chart, and uh, how, how do you feel about it, Stephen? Uh, I feel that the name hasn't been truer before. It's why they call it a depth chart. We have depth this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Reese Smith showed a lot of things to us uh, in the, in that first game, and he obviously impressed Neil Brown. But I don't think that's to take anything away from T.J. Simmons. Um, it may be a little bit more of a punishment than what I, we originally that, assumed, yeah, I guess. That's what, uh, I, that's what I think, yeah. <laughs> but I, even, I don't know. I think Reese Smith really played well. Maybe, I, I don't know. I really don't know. It, it shocked me. It really did because I, I expected yeah, I to, to see a really big year out of T.J. Simmons this year. I think a couple of us even had him as one of our breakout players. Or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, I wasn't so shocked to see the Parker the Parker Moore move because yeah. you see freshmen They've been talking Jordan White a lot. Yeah, you you see freshmen move in and out in those positions a lot, and Jordan White. Yeah, like you said, they've been talking really highly about him. Um, I was mm-hmm. more so. Um, I don't get surprised, but just in, intrigued by the move of Tony Fields starting on defense. Oh yeah, uh, now uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not surprising after the game he had last week. Yeah, but. I, 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 well, I kind of figured it was just a matter of time on that one. Like I saw, because uh, I was kind of expecting him to be the starter game one, and when he wasn't, I was like, well, that's surprising. But it turned out I mean, he played the majority of the snaps. You know, ended up as a team's leading tackler and, and things like that. And that was kind of the one big, big change you saw there on defense was Tony Fields as your starting middle linebacker, which. I think you need, uh, going into this game, you need some speed on the field when you're dealing with Chuba Hubbard and stuff, and that's a guy I think you could have spy Chuba Hubbard all game potentially or something or something like that. So I, I like that. I like that move as well. Um, Bradley, what are your thoughts on some of these depth chart changes? Uh, you think T.J. Simmons is just kind of still in the doghouse, or do you think Reese Smith is just that good that he's overtaken him despite being a true freshman? Reese Smith is good, but I don't think he's overtaken T.J. Simmons. I don't. I think this is going to be a first possession. Reese Smith's going to be in there, maybe even a first play. Just send in a statement. Thing. Just, right. just be in, like, first possession, like, hey, like, and then put him out there and hope that, you know, that kind of gave him a little bit of a gut check. I don't – I do like Reese Smith, but I don't think that he is that much better than T.J. Simmons that he is just overtaking that, that position. Because, like, if I'm not wrong, it was – the backup was Isaiah Esdale, too, right? Yeah, Esdale was there behind Simmons, and now they moved uh, they moved Esdale to the other spot behind, uh, and he's backing up Winston right now. Gotcha. Yeah, so uh, I just don't. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, but I still think that it's just like a more of just like a a, a man check to T.J. Simmons. I think so. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. I really, I really like to see T.J play well in his senior year or both of his senior years if he gets another year of eligibility next if he, year yeah, if he decides to come back, would, yeah. right which i mean if it keeps going this way that might be the case because i really i originally thought that this was going to be his last year in a uniform in wvu i thought he was going to go on to play at the next level but and i do but i mean i'm not going to be a i like tj Simmons. i want big things from him but i'm honestly at the point of like i'm letting Neil brown take over and i mean i think it's like i said i think last week or even the week beforehand one of the 
last few podcasts. I like the fact that Neil Brown's coming out and saying like, "Hey, like I'm letting young guys play." And so that's kind of oh yeah, absolutely. Want to come here because he's saying, you know, I'm going to reward you for doing things right, and I'm not afraid to put a senior on the bench. I mean, yeah, look, look at what he did. He said he was sending a message because of practice when, you know, Sam James didn't get into the game until the second quarter, and he started the true freshman Sam Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, other things, uh, I, I kind of had like a chuckle moment when I saw Tony Fields was starting because, mm-hmm. I mean, Cruz, you've been calling that, and I think Steve yeah, yeah. guys knew it was just coming. I didn't really know much about him. He really showed out last game, so I'm not, I'm not surprised by that at all, and I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, he has the potential to make first team defensive in the Big Twelve this year. I, I think, yeah, I think so too. that's the fastest linebacker I've seen us have in, in a long time. Right, big, mm-hmm. big, big. big. Um, some other things. This is like a, a, a little weird for me, but do you guys see who our holder is? Who, who we got? Um, Grayson Malcevich. Oh, Malcevich. Yeah, yeah. is that interesting? Right. We got a wide receiver holding. Holding. Yeah, you typically see a quarterback there. Yeah, quarterback or another specialist. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if Neil Brown's trying to have that in place in case we need to pull some trickery on down the road, you know, because I, I couldn't see any other reason to have, unless he has holding experience through high school or something, you know what I mean? Maybe he was, like, that position over summer or something like that. Yeah, but it like, could be. I know that a lot more goes into holding, you know, the football for a field goal than is generally believed, you right. know, just from, Maybe just just from having the experience hands. of doing it. It's a little bit more than what people think of because you have to have the laces in the right place and all that. But, I mean, to me, I can't imagine that someone will be that more talented at th- th- doing that than, you know, to move. So I, I agree with you. I think the only move, the only reason for that move would be having something like that. Up, up well, and, he, and he's something. pretty well solidified because I know last year we had, we had you know, two, you know, first and second team were listed there, and it was kind of – Interchanging, trying to find a guy that could do it good throughout throughout the season, and the fact that he's really the only one listed there, um, he must you know be doing his thing with it, I guess. Yeah, maybe he just had people try out for it. like, hey, anybody want to try holding? And he saw who you know had a more more of a knack for it. But um, and I also I, saw. I, I thought I so, looking, uh, just in regards to Malashevich, I was also I, one of the surprises to me was I kind of thought that he would be the first team punt returner and overtake Sinkfield there. But I mean, they still listen Sinkfield. But I, I thought Malashevich handled it a little bit better than Sinkfield did when he finally got in there. Yeah, didn't drop the ball. Might be a shared yeah. position. Yeah, could be. Um, also, another thing, I was looking at an article when I was just finding the depth chart here, and somebody had said it doesn't say it on this depth chart, but the fact that Casey Leg was going to start this weekend over Evan Staley. I have to say, it didn't, they didn't show it on the depth chart, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Staley's really really been struggling. He struggled last year, and then that chip shot he missed there. I mean, it's, at some point, you got you got to pull the plug and, and, you know, take your chances. And, I mean, we got a guy named Casey Leg. I don't know how, like, come on. How, how much guys, more perfect of a name you can have as a yeah, kicker. I mean, exactly. <laughs> Unless his last name was Phil Goldler, I don't know how you could get any more perfect. <laughs> with two Gs, so you know he's got some – behind it. Oh, well, speaking yeah. of the kicking position, though, I think that Tyler Sumter this weekend is going to be a very, uh, a very important player, a very important yeah, piece, I guess you could say, because if we get in third down situations, he's going to pin them back in in field position that's going to be very positive for West Virginia. So that's that's well, one thing that I feel like is going to be very key this weekend. We definitely need we definitely need spe- special teams to step up and, and improve. Uh, Sumter played great, which is in the, which in the is first if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, isn't that one of the strong suits that Neil Brown has been known for? Yeah, absolutely. His, you know, coaching career, it's special teams, I believe. 
Well, exactly, and that's why I think you know they struggled a little bit, and I think you'll see them bounce back from that because he's gonna he's he's put some time into it. I guarantee well, that. In my opinion, they bounce back the very next kickoff because after they to return that kickoff for a touchdown last week, you seen Alonzo Ada come in and lay the boom on that guy. Oh on the man, next, that was on nice. the next return. So I was, I, I was very happy to see that. Yeah, that was nice. And like some people say, that's like that's probably gonna be the place where we see some of the weakest points at because you cannot run full speed kickoffs kickoff returns in practice because it's yeah, just too yeah. it's just too dangerous for your team to really be trying to do that so yeah. i mean i think it's pretty let's think it's pretty forgiving or pretty forgivable that that's going to be some of our weakest spots because i think everybody in the country is going to kind of struggle there that, that's so the whole the thing is when you, yeah i was gonna say when you generally think about college football that's what scares me the most this year is the amount of teams that aren't able i mean any team really that is amount allowed to practice in pads more than what once a week or you know, less if that matter. It's, yep. it's going to cause a lot of injuries and a lot of, of depth issues. That's really my main concern for West Virginia moving forward as we get deeper into the schedule. Yeah, my last depth thing is just something we talked about. Austin Kendall's still a backup quarterback. I don't think he's actually our backup quarterback. I think Neil Brown just doesn't want to show Garrett Green there. So teams can't prepare for him. I don't think there's a reason to necessarily this season because, I mean, we have to yeah. wait until we see if we're going to play the rest of the season first. You know, because but I mean, heaven forbid COVID happens or Daggy gets hurt. I guarantee you, it's going to be Green in there playing, not Austin Kendall. I could see it, uh, and I hope so. But I hope also that we don't have to get to the point where we have to have to find out for sure either. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's all I got on death chart. All right, so let's uh, flip it over. We'll talk about the other matchup in this one. That's the West Virginia defense versus the Oklahoma State offense. Uh, we talked a little bit about some storylines earlier with Josh Seals. Uh, being on the Oklahoma State o- offense there. But another big storyline in this one that's also, I think, not getting a lot of publicity is you got the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year versus the Big 12 Preseason Defensive Player of the Year in this one with the Chuba Hubbard versus Darius Stills matchup. Uh, me looking at this one uh, just as a football fan, watching Oklahoma State play, knowing West Virginia's strengths, I think that this uh, can potentially play right into West Virginia's hands because Oklahoma State in that first game where I watched them play Tulsa last week, their big struggle was there on offensive line. West Virginia's strength is the pass rush and the defensive line. And Tulsa was getting home. They weren't really running any exotic blitz, just bringing some extra guys and just kind of overpowering their offensive line when it was man-to-man versus the defensive line. And that bodes well for West Virginia because West Virginia is going to run some things that Oklahoma State's offensive line hasn't seen yet. They have some exotic blitzes that they bring, and they'll bring the house in there. And uh, I think they're going to cause some problems in that backfield. So I like West Virginia's defense against Oklahoma State's offense and this one, despite the studs that Oklahoma State has and Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace and, and possibly Spencer Sanders if he goes. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this uh, on this matchup, Stephen? Uh, yeah, I like the way it, it, uh, it matches up as well. But for me, it's not so much as Chuba Hubbard against against Darius Steele's and defense and uh, the defensive line, I guess I should say. Uh, but more so about how Tylen Wallace matches up with the yep. secondary and who's matched up against him, because I feel like right. that is going to be the game changer and the difference maker in this game. If, I think uh, we, can, if we can stop him, yeah. for the you're not going to stop him completely. He's he's too powerful. He's going to get over top throws and he's going to go up and get that ball. But if we can stop him for the most part and and stop his momentum, then I think we'll win the game because the Chuba Hubbard is going up against probably one of the best defensive lines in the if not the Big Twelve in the country. Yeah, absolutely. You know, He's going to, I don't think we're going to have much of a problem. He might score, he might get a few yards, but I think our biggest threat on offense, on their offense, is going to be Tyler Wallace. Especially if Spencer Sanders is a go, which, I mean, 
in my opinion, I believe he is a go. I don't believe Mike Gundy's going to release that information. Mike Gundy's not going to let you know. One He's way a smart guy. No, absolutely not. But like, and like you said, I don't think it's going to be one guy. Um, I think you're going to have to have you know safety help over the top. You're going to have to bracket Tylen Wallace, and you know, and when when you do that, you just got to hope someone else doesn't kill you if you don't have anyone that can guard him man to man. And I'm not sure that West Virginia does. I'm not sure that anyone in the country does. But right. uh, so, like you said, it, it is still a big deal trying to slow him down because I think we'll do fine with Chuba Herbert because. Oklahoma State's offensive line struggles, so really that is kind of kind of the big matchup there between this defense and this offense. Uh, Bradley, what about you? What do you like when it comes to West Virginia's defense versus the Oklahoma State offense? Yeah, I think, honestly, uh, I'll touch on the Tyler Wallace first. That kid is a monster. I mean, he was just grabbing, even for like a smaller guy. I mean, he's not, mm-hmm. you know, Put the team on his back four. last yeah. week. I oh. mean, he was just going up and fighting for every ball. Uh, and I was like, I uh, I sent some like messages. I was like, I don't know why they're not throwing to this guy every single play. Like he's just I mean, I he's catching every ball that's going his direction, or he's getting a pass interference called every single time. So I would like to see us run man on him. I would like to see Dreshawn Miller just honestly run press on him every single play. You know, just try to suffocate him, yeah, and then try just like, like, yeah, try to because uh, I mean that he was getting frustrated early on in the game because that cornerback that was playing against him was getting aggressive with him. I mean, he was mm-hmm. throwing hands with him and throwing him out oh, of bounds. He was and he was, oh, yeah. And then I would like to see us run that same kind of like aggressive front on him, but really set Alonzo die back there to cover uh, cover on him, too. I'd be fine with sacrificing two men to him all game long because it's just he's that kind of player. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's you, you my hope for the matchup. I, I hope that the matchup is Alonzo on Tylen because I feel like that's what who matches up well. Yeah, he's great. Right. He's a good yeah. coverage guy. Bring Vandarius Cowan over the top, you know, just as his backup over the safety over the top. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I think, like, that's, that's what it's going to be. And I think, I mean, Alonzo can still cover other people sitting in, like, a, a zone-type area while we're running man everywhere else. And I think that would really benefit him because he's got good eyes from what we saw last week, or week four last. Um, the next matchup I want to talk about, as I'm marking my way to the most important person. I haven't got there yet, but I'm, uh, that front line, I mean, Tulsa was running, rushing three or four people all game long, and they were still getting there and, like, getting exactly. home. So I, would, I think Darius Sills is going to be very motivated, very driven, very hungry because he didn't really show up against Eastern Kentucky. This is a big opponent. He's going against Chuba Hubbard and, you know, this good uh, Sanders is a good quarterback. I think he's going to be motivated to get out there and make something happen. I think he'll have a couple big plays, but I still don't think we're going to see a full-on Darius Steele's yummy, yummy takeover, you know, rubbing his belly. Just Baylor, Baylor last season type. Well, yeah, I, what I'm hoping to see more so out of this week on the defensive line is more defensive line movement and shifts because they yeah, just played gonna... straight up on the ball last week, and that's why they got double-teamed most of the day. That's why. That's my opinion on why Darius didn't play. Yeah, you're well. going to see some stunts and stuff this week. It's, they're going to get they're going to get nasty with it. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we'll see a lot bigger game out of – I think we'll see – Still a lot of pressure from Vandarius Cowan uh, and some of the other guys that were in there making plays last week. I still think we'll see that. That's where our pressure is going to come from still. It's not going to come from the Steelers brothers because they're still just going to be the main focal point up front. Um, now, my big person of the game, I think the person that's going to win us the offensive game, besides the, the people covering Tylen Wallace, if he just has a hell of a game, then they're... I think the most important person on this team, this or our defense this weekend, is going to be Tony Fields. Mm-hmm. I, yep, I'm right there with you. I think him lining up at that middle linebacker uh, position, it's going to be on him to cover Chuba Hubbard all game. That's what that was, would be what I would do with the speed I seen Tony Fields have and his athleticism. I would say your job is follow Chuba Hubbard. If he, if he runs, yeah. if, he, uh, if he runs a pass route, follow him. If they hand it off to him, follow him. You just stick Chuba Hubbard. 
And Tony Fields is quick, so that means like anywhere Chuba Hubbard's going to be. Cause Chuba Hubbard's fast, but he's also a bigger guy, so it, he can he can match Chuba Hubbard anywhere he goes. He's just got to make those good tackles, and just I I think we'll see a lot of him. Like you're talking about those defensive slants, the benefit of those will be Tony Fields able to get to the hole. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be, it's going to be on him to blow up those plays and really stop Chuba Hubbard. And I think we'll, we'll just see him shadowing him all game long. Yeah, well, that's what I really like about Tony Fields is you don't really he's a middle linebacker, but you don't see him just fill the gaps as a linebacker. You see him yeah. fill out to the outside and and cover those as well. So that's like you said, his well, speed is, is very like elite. I said, and not to talk about no, not to talk down on Dylan Tonkery because I like the guy, but right. you just watch right. the way they play the position; it's completely different. Tonkery was kind of more of a patient player and let, you kind of let the play come to him. Uh, Tony, Tony Fields is attacking and he's, he's going to the play instead of, you know, the other way around. He's, he's out there flying around making plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think, think you'll not see it. Dylan. You'll still see Dylan Tonkery. Oh yeah. He's, that's a solid guy to have there, you know, as, as a guy to spell Tony Fields. But, you know, I think West is in a lot better situation linebacker wise this season when you got Cowan Bartlett, you know, Josh Chandler, Edgerie Lowe, Tony Fields, and Dylan Tonkery. That's that's a solid linebacking core right there, too deep all the way across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think the a majority of the game, like how Chuba, how good Chuba Hubbard does, is going to be directly proportional to Tony Fields. I think that that's just going to be the matchup to watch, and I hope to see him, like, really get downfield, stick his nose in there, and wreak some habit and see if he's as good as you guys think he is. Yep, that's uh, this is game the game to prove it. And like I said, this one this one is the measuring stick. This one will yeah. be measuring stick for a lot of things. Like but, I, like I told you guys last week, I'm really close to to changing my prediction to nine and one. Uh, this this yeah. game this game's gonna tell. This a lot, weekend will will be my my storyteller. If, if I think they, we all we, predicted them to lose too. So that we, yeah, I was gonna say we, we all did. had a loss. So I'm interested to see if we stuck with that here here in a few minutes when we get to the, to our predictions. But um, you know it's. It's it's good matchups, I think. I think West Virginia matches up well with this team all the way around. And something yeah. I'm worried about though is that if we do win this game, I think we're going to get that ah they weren't didn't show up very well against Tulsa, this Oklahoma State. We're going to get that West Virginia treat. Oh now. yeah, it's going to be. Well, we're we're going to get that Oklahoma State wasn't as good as advertised, yeah. and not the so West Virginia be, is actually that 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 good this exactly. year. Exactly. It won't it won't be all Neil Brown's really turned this around quick. They're you know, beating ranked teams already and two and zero this season. No, it'll be Oklahoma State isn't who we thought they were. You know, that's that's the way it'll be. And see, and I would go the exact opposite with it. I mean, because I know that's what a lot of people say, but I think if we win this game, I think I think if we win more games than we're predicted. I think it's solely on the fact that Neil Brown is just that. It's just head and shoulders above every other coach, and I look yeah. at. I'll say that I think I really he's think playing he chess. Everyone else Call, is playing chess. It's also relevant to point out if we win this game this weekend, where we win more than we were predicted to win because we were all we were only predicted to go one and nine by the mass media. That's yeah. insane. So, and so I just think like I think Neil Brown was just is just yeah I think what you say he's playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers, and I think he mm-hmm. is really just. I think he knew how to handle this better, and I think he knew how, what it was going to take for his team. Where like he came out and talked about you know grouping the kids together by people that hang out with, not necessarily by depth chart by first team, second team, and I think that is just such a brilliant move because not only does that build you know the chemistry and camaraderie and you know build some of that teamsmanship, you know I think it also I, I don't I think it's just next level thinking because I think when you're putting all your first stringers together, then you really run the risk of losing your whole entire starting offense. Oh, yeah. That's and true. so I just thought that was like a brilliant move by Neil Brown, and just like stuff like that just continues to impress me. And I, I think, think that outside least, the box. 
Yeah, and I think that like if if we win the game this weekend, I think it's because Neil Brown has his team on another level and was able to handle this pandemic better than any other coach in the country. Yeah, and you got to look at it. He's got an extra week to to prepare and plan too. You know, Oklahoma State played last week. We had that bye week, so um, you know it's, it just depends on I guess how how you look at that. If you think it's better to be fresh, or if it's or if you think you can over prepare. But I think when you got like Neil like Neil Brown, he's not going to over prepare and he's not going to under prepare. He knows exactly what he's doing, and I think he'll utilize this bye week. And like we said, it's a measuring stick. And speaking of that measuring stick, let's talk a little bit of the stat comparison between the two teams. I don't know how much you can really uh, put into this when it's you know one game yeah. played for each team. But uh, so far this season, West Virginia is 56 points per game to Oklahoma State, 16 points allowed. West Virginia allowed 10. Oklahoma State allowed 7. Uh, yards, total yards per game, West Virginia put up 624 to Oklahoma State's 279. Pass yards per game, 295 to Oklahoma State's 138. Rushing, 329, Oklahoma State at 141. And yards allowed, West Virginia only allowed 206, Oklahoma State allowed 278. So both the defense is doing a good job there, allowing under 300 yards. Um, West Virginia ahead in every other category, but like we said, a lot of that's due to the opponent West Virginia played. Even though Oklahoma State didn't play a world beater, and Tulsa still much better than the Eastern Kentucky team that West Virginia had played. But one stat that you got to look at uh, going into this one is West Virginia's struggles against the Cowboys. They've lost five straight games to Oklahoma State, or four. Is it the four or five? I think that I think it's, it's five. Four. Is I it four? This this would be five. Okay, so four straight losses. Uh, you know, trying to avoid a fifth straight loss. But the silver lining there is uh, last time the West Virginia played uh, that beat Oklahoma State was when Oklahoma State was ranked in the top 15 back in 2013. West Virginia uh, was able to beat them, I believe. So um, uh, that's kind of what we're looking at uh, here uh, is a team we've struggled with, but uh, maybe a team we maybe match up better with than we have in recent years. So what are your guys' thoughts on uh, some of these statistics, uh, Bradley? Um. Something that jumps out to me is uh, yards allowed. They allowed more yards to us. And like I said, Tulsa gave up over 100 yards of penalty. So I think that that number would be even more inflated if – because I don't know if that detracts away from yards allowed. You know what I mean? Does negative penalty um, I'm not. I'm not sure if it does or not. I, I would think – yeah, I would think so because when you get you know called back, it just negates that entire play. So Yeah, so uh, I Do they count it against her or do they just count the negative – the penalty yards as a stat? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. It's uh, it's hard to tell because uh, you know college because and, who would college and NFL do it differently, it. and I can't remember who does what. Okay, so if you want right, to do it that way, if you think about it, each individual player has their stats. Who would the penalty go against? You know, say for uh, you know, an offensive hold. Would that? I mean, who would the what yeah. receiver, quarterback, or running back are they going to pick to negate yardage from? Yeah, I, I would say that it's just null and void, and just like it never happened. So fair. So even if you want to look at it that way, they allowed 270 yards, but they got almost half of that back in penalties. That's not mm-hmm. accounted for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, they allowed 278 yards, but you know, they even had a worse game than that because, like, I don't know how to put that into words. What I'm trying to think, like, try to explain here, is like. They just had a worse all-around game as a team, pretty much. Yeah, like 278 yards would seem like. It seems good if you hold somebody under 300 nowadays, for sure. I mean, and and they did they did have their bright moments, as I said, holding uh, Tulsa without a third down conversion, holding them in the red zone more times than not. But um, even though they held them under 300 yards, I don't think it was the type of defense performance that we were you would expect from this Oklahoma State team as high as this defense has been touted. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State has the the same kind of I guess syndrome 
you, you might say, is West Virginia. You know, they play to their competition, so they'll play up to their competition as well as they'll play down to their competition. You know, that, mm-hmm. and I, I've seen that out of, out of Oklahoma State a lot, and I think that's a lot of the similarities I've noticed between these two programs even before the West Virginia joined the Big 12. Oklahoma State's, even when they have a year that they're expected to do really well, you know, touted up and highly – you know, talked about in the media, it, they always have one or two games that fall, you know, and, and ironically enough, West Virginia, the last time they were very highly ranked, we had a chance to win the Big 12, go to the Big 12 championship. Oklahoma's, just, you know, Oklahoma State was the team to ruin that for West Virginia. We even had a oh. beat, uh, I think it was up 21 points, exactly. maybe even more. It's at 31, point they, 14 or something yeah, like that. And they came back and they beat us in Stillwater. So in some ways, this isn't a rivalry game in my mind, but i I. Uh, this is one of the better matchups that this I enjoy one, out of the Big Twelve. This is one that we want to win. I mean, you know, like you said, four straight losses is not a not a good feel. No, no, four or five. I, I don't even think two straight losses is is a good feel. I think yeah. anybody that's a, a West Virginia fan can remember how it felt to lose to Kansas State for so many years, and I know that they feel how bad it is to lose Oklahoma. to Oklahoma. And At least we, we have one of the state of Oklahoma, and like you said, four, five, six. Yeah. How many years? I mean, 2013, yeah, 2013, 2013, we beat Oklahoma State. I know uh, we might beat them. If, if it's four straight losses, then I think we beat them. Had to beat them. Uh, I know that we beat them in Stillwater one year. Uh, I think Unexpectedly. Was, I think it was 2016 when with uh, Skyler. I think it was the year we beat them. Right. That was the year. I believe it. 10-1 season. Yeah, I think that's the year. Because uh, I think we lost to them 2015 in Morgantown and then beat them 2016. At Oklahoma State, so 2016, my mistake was the last win, but 2013 and 2016, you know, your last two wins. So it's been it's been a while either way you spent it. They overwhelmingly hold the the lead in the series count so far since we've yeah. been beginning. The Especially in Stillwater, but the good thing about that is, you know, there's not going to be those fans banging those paddles up against the wall. Still going to have that wall right there on you, but not having those fans there could not be an extra. I no, thought I, that they were going with fans. Yeah, are they going? Too. Are they going with some? They, they must I, I heard that they were. That's well, my credit. My my source is, is comments off Facebook, so I don't know that to be factual. But I did hear that it, this was only after West Virginia announced that they weren't allowing fans for the Baylor game. Uh, that people are irate because there were going to be fans at the Oklahoma State game. Like I said, I don't know. If that's I, well, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised because I've seen you know some teams letting ten, twelve thousand in there and, and stuff like that. So they may they may be following that. That path and doing it. At the Neil Brown press conferences that I heard, uh, uh, question askers, I don't, I'm losing my mind from right now what they are. They had asked Neil Brown, you know, or and the players, they're like, you know, is playing in front of fans going to affect you, even though it's like a negative way? Like they're not your fans. Like how do you feel about that? And a lot of the guys said that they were jazzed up just to be in front of fans, right? Even right. if they, which, which I mean, as a as a young college athlete, you are. I mean, anytime you're playing again in front of people, that's yeah, if I mean, you didn't want to play, a lot of the reason go play for it's exciting to play. Yeah, you know it's because of fans. But I mean, and the same, I want to see what you know what the case count is out in Stillwater. You know, that's oh, yeah. that's my thing. If it's because that's what I after I've done research, that's why it's a big difference from playing in Huntington and West Virginia from playing I mean, in Morgantown. Why, and West Virginia, because County because is, Cabell is County and West Virginia is in the green. They don't have as as many cases as Morgantown. Morgantown has a problem with going out and partying a lot. So they're, they're, well, I think it's more know, of another transmission thing. of cases than it is actual cases. Yeah. Well, there's, they're in the orange. So that's what they're going by. They're going by state protocol and state regulations. And people are, 
I don't guess are understanding that portion of it. But that's what that's what I want to find out about Stillwater is if is if it's safe to to have fans. I guess I should say. But I do think that they are going to have fans, though. I think that is oh. the the contentious right now. Well, that's yeah, Oklahoma State going to have yeah. some type of percentage of fans. So I was going to say it's X factor that West Virginia not here, and then paddles banging on the wall, and you which know, if they have right there fans, them, but we don't know for sure that they'll have those paddles. That's true. They may not. But either way, I think that that switches that to an X factor for Oklahoma State. But that just leads into the uh, discussion about the X factor for this game, gentlemen. Uh, what do you guys think will be the X factor that if West Virginia is able to get a win? This is the X factor underlying reason, uh, surprising reason that people kind of didn't see coming. Uh, what are you thinking, Bradley? Uh, I was just saying again. I was reading something. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I was just thinking X X factor for this week against Oklahoma State. Uh, what is it for you that could lead West Virginia to a victory? Yeah, I got you. I was reading more football stuff. I should have. No worries. No um, worries. I That's think the X factor. I think I'm going to stick with my, my defensive call there, Tony Field. I think Tony Field's going to be the X factor. And uh, and like I said, it could also be – I like to give it to Neil Brown a lot because I think mm-hmm. Neil Brown is the X factor in a lot of our games. A lot of the time, yeah. But I think, I think the Tony Field's Neil matchup Brown's is going to be, yeah. be, be the X factor. I think that matchup is just so going to be very telling of this game. I was close to picking that, that one for mine. Uh, didn't go with Tony Field's. But, uh, Stephen, what about you? Would you go with your X factor? Uh, I'm actually going on the on the uh, other side of the ball. I'm going to go with Lady Brown and Alex Sinkfield. I think those two, if they have a big game, uh, that's going to be very, very good for this offense and very good for the passing game because I think it will open up over the top and we can be able to get some of those big plays and exploit that secondary like you guys were talking about over the middle. Uh, so Letty, Letty and Alex are going to be my X Factor this weekend. Absolutely. Well, I, I was going to say the run game. Uh, I went bounce back and forth between the run game and Tony Fields. I agree with you, Stephen. I think the run game is going to be huge because Oklahoma State's offense can't be explosive if they're not on the field. And I like West Virginia's defense against their offense. And if we can get a run game going, it's just going to really open things up for us. So I like both those picks. Uh, but to be different, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, West Virginia's pass defense in this one because – I think that there's a chance that, uh, like Steve said, Spencer Sanders probably will play, but if he doesn't, then you get the true freshman who's much more of a pocket passer, and you're going to really have to uh, be on it pass defense-wise. I almost – it called me crazy, but I almost feel better if Spencer Sanders does play because I don't think he's as big of a threat throwing the football as that other quarterback looked to me. Spencer Sanders, you know, the dual-threat guy, and he's a guy that's explosive. But uh, I, I still have yet to see a lot from him in the past game that really that really scares me. And I think with West Virginia's pressure and stuff, they could get after him, have him throwing on the run, making some errant passes and things like that. So, And just West Virginia, the way they've struggled with when they've been had to face these true freshman quarterbacks and made them look all-world and stuff like that in the past, I'm almost more scared of us facing their X factor being that third-string true freshman that came in there and led to a victory against Tulsa. But either way, I think the pass defense is my X factor if West Virginia wants to come out on top in this one. I, yeah, I want to I, I, I comment on that real quick. I think even if we do see that third-string quarterback, I think that was a very talented freshman mm-hmm. coming in and just Absolutely. like sticking, sticking with the basic fundamentals that, that second-string quarterback just lacked, and that dude was just garbage. So yeah, I don't necessarily want to like him. Yeah, I think that that yeah. kid just came in and did like his standard, like what was originally asked. Like, listen, got there, throw up a ball to Tylen Wallace, see what happens. You know what I mean, like throw some like confident balls. And I just don't think that he will be able to get away with that same kind of mindset, strategy, game plan against a defense as good as ours. I don't think it would work as well as it worked with Tulsa. Yeah, I I think that's an interesting point, too, though. I I think 
matching up against Spencer Sanders kind of works out better for West Virginia because we've game planned for it, and you mm-hmm. don't really game plan for their backup or even well, and third. Well, it's completely screen, so you know Spencer Sanders is six foot one, two hundred, and and that true freshman is six foot six, two almost two hundred forty pounds, I think. So, it's it's a completely different ball game between those two. Uh, one guy's going to sit in the pocket and try and pick you apart, and the other guy's going to get out on the perimeter and, and take off on you and make plays that way. It was a chugging off. It was like six foot five or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I know. Chugging off is a quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Let's. Uh, yeah, that still amazes me. To, uh, he's a uh, he's a player he's on the roster. Some too. Yeah. He has played some, and apparently year. is loved by the Ohio State fans. Hey, more power to the guy. I mean, hell, yeah. you know, if, if, uh, if it works, it works. West Virginia say. fans are not so it's nice. <laughs> That could have had something to do with the coaching, but uh, we won't get into that guy here. Yeah. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was catching some actually. He was catching some heat from uh, the Baylor athletic. Oh, I saw that. I saw he's that. Catching actually. some heat in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's true. He's also his, has a hot. His, his seat his, might be getting a little hot. His also. handle, his handling of the COVID nineteen uh, situation hasn't been that great, from what I can gather. He probably just told him drown it out with alcohol. Yeah, just. he's taking the Ed Orgeron approach. <laughs> he probably told them, you know, like, don't go see your families, like, stay here, work out all the time. Yeah, you know, if you catch COVID, we'll, at least you're gonna we'll be better them. than everyone. Yeah, we'll get them sick. <laughs> we're dead. Win. Getting COVID will uh, make yeah. your lungs stronger because you will have beaten the virus. Of course, of course. Fuck uh, you know, we, I think our thoughts on him are are well documented, but. Uh, swinging back to Oklahoma State, I've uh, talked matchup, talked X Factor, talked about it all. So uh, the moment of truth, gentlemen, let's go score prediction. I've had y'all going first all episode, so I'll go first here on score prediction. Like I said, I like the Mountaineers a lot in this one, the way they match up. I like it a lot more watching that game against Tulsa, but I also don't think uh, we'll be so lucky to face that same Oklahoma State team. Probably woke them up a little bit. I think their offense will make some more plays. I'm really high on this Oklahoma State defense. Um, West Virginia's got to find ways to score in the red zone. Uh, Oklahoma State's defense really prides himself on that in third down stops. West Virginia's going to have to do good in those key situations. All in all, in the end, I think West Virginia's defense manhandles Oklahoma State's offensive line. Uh, but I think Oklahoma State you know, makes a couple big plays, and I don't know if West Virginia's offense has the timing, chemistry, and experience yet to match those big plays. So as much as it pains me, I'm going to go Oklahoma State 35, West Virginia 31. That was a blind. I didn't see I honestly thought you were going to pick us, Cruz. I, I, I wanted to do it, but I just, I don't know. My gut my gut tells me that it's it's it, it's possible. I, like, I have a good feeling about the game in my gut, but also my head says don't, 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 reach, don't reach for it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, who else? Uh, who's up? Who wants to step up to the plate next? Uh, score I'll, prediction. I'll, I'll take a shot at it. All right, let's go. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna stick with a. Uh, I think that we are looking better than I anticipated at the preseason roundtable. Mm-hmm. I think Jarrett Daigie looks nice. I think our wide receiver is gonna have a very good day. I also think that Letty Brown and like uh, Steve said, I think Letty Brown and Alex Singfield are gonna have a very easy time behind our full starting lineup now. And I really think that we'll see a dominant run game again, really, truly. I think that that may be a strength of ours going forward this year because I think Neil Brown probably focused on it so much that we can't help but be better in that aspect. So I think our running backs are going to have a good day. I can see Lady Brown hitting 100 yards again, uh, maybe another touchdown or two. And I think that we'll, I think we're going to win this game. 
I think we're going to win it. I think we're going to win it on the back of our running backs and uh, the play of Jarrett Daigie. I think he's going to go all day without throwing an interception. Knock on wood. And I just, I think we looked better than Oklahoma State did. Granted, I'm going off of with their starting quarterback, but I still think the game's close to the end. I think it'll be uh, a late touchdown to put us up 35-21. to 21. Uh, We walk out with the W in Stillwater. Oh, I like that. I like that uh, two-touchdown two victory for Bradley. I think Tylen Wallace will get his touchdowns. I think Tylen Wallace will have a, a pretty good day. I don't think we'll be able to cover him 100% all day. Yeah, I don't know if anyone can. It's I, think be he'll get, I think he'll get two touchdowns. I think Chuba will get one. I like that. That's 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 pretty solid bet there. Both those guys, absolute studs. West Virginia has got the work cut out for them defensively. But uh, if anyone can do it in the Big 12, it's this West Virginia defense, I think. Uh, what about you, Stephen? Mountaineers going to get it done on Saturday in Stillwater, or uh, you see us dropping to one-on-one? Uh, I think that um, – I. I think that we're going to shut Chuba Hubbard down more so than anyone else will in the Big 12 this year on defense. Um, and I, I, I think that Tyler Wallace, like you guys said, and as I've said, I think he's going to have the day that he's always going to have. He's going to be Tyler. Um, I really like the matchup. I really think West Virginia, like I said, is going to be much improved. Uh, but I also think that they're going to be much improved from last week. They're going to correct a lot of things, especially with penalties and uh, just those small mistakes where they killed themselves and shot themselves in the foot. Um, like I said, this is going to be a measuring stick for me, uh, so I'm really going to see how West Virginia responds to how they played and as well how they respond to how they watched Oklahoma State play last week to how they're going to respond and come out this week on Saturday. So mm-hmm. um, I, I still I, – I'm going to pick uh, Oklahoma State. I got them winning 30-25, to 25, um, and hopefully I'm proved wrong. And th- that's my main point to picking Oklahoma State in this game is like – is being the measuring stick. If they yeah. win this game and they prove me wrong, then like I said, I'm going to go back and I'll probably change my prediction for the season because if they win this game, uh, that that is going to show how much more well, improved, I guess you could say, say, the say team is. I don't because know if you guys remember, seen, but uh, we, sure. this is the game that we had. We had West Virginia. We all had West Virginia losing, but we all also had West Virginia starting five and one. So, I mean, if they win this yeah. game, potentially looking down the schedule, you could be talking about six and zero oh heading into Texas. Yeah, that's right, and that's what I think this game is going to be what tells the tale for the rest of the season, I guess, in a lot of ways, uh, which it's kind of crazy to think about the second game of the season being, you know, that big of a deal. That big, yeah. Uh, Ten-game ten season, it doesn't really leave you a lot of room for uh-huh. for error. And initially, you know, looking at the schedule when it came out with, you know, the updated schedule in the ten games, and I saw we played Oklahoma State, you know, second game of the season, first Big 12 game. I initially hated that matchup. Liked it more when I seen we were coming off a bye week, but really didn't like our chances. I was really high on Oklahoma State going into this season. But uh, now I kind of love the where this matchup is because I think the Oklahoma State team, they have a really young offensive line, a really inexperienced offensive line, and I think they're a team that's going to get better as the season goes along. So to catch them now early in the season, I think it really ups West Virginia's chances. Right, but I don't think that they're taking this game very lightly either. I think they know what they're getting with West Virginia. I think they've done the research. Mike Gundy is a very smart football coach, and oh, yeah. he has played West Virginia a lot, and he's you know got a lot of experience in these specific scenarios that I feel like. So, like you said, like uh, Oklahoma State's going to be much improved from that Tulsa game in my mind. Week Absolutely. one to week two. Absolutely, week one to week two. Yeah. Week one to week two. Yep, and uh, the name of the podcast. That's it. Week one to week two, uh, Daryl Porter Jr., lockdown corner. 
Yeah, no, I'm shook. I really thought you guys were going to go with WU this week. I'm sure. I, I wanted to. I, I wanted, I to. wanted I to. to. I did. I did want to. Uh, it, I'm gonna be it's more it of a gut face. feeling. It's more of my. I guess my mindset behind it is I'm picking Oklahoma State more so as not that they care, but but more as a wake up call. I guess. But um, if, yeah, you know, if, that that's kind of me. It's like literally like my my heart and gut says we're gonna win, but my head's like just don't just don't just don't put on the golden blue goggles. Just try and keep some realism. Right. So it's, that's it's trying to look at it more from a realistic perspective other than a fan perspective. It's yeah. 2020. We never thought this season would happen. It don't even count. Balls to the walls, <laughs> fella. Put on the, I'm wrong. I hope put I'm on the gold and blue goggles and watch us as we walk our way to a 10 win season. Well, I don't think any of us ever want to pick West Virginia to lose. It's no, nah, nah. they're going to win every game, every season, forever. But we have a we have a job to do and call them how we see them as well. Yeah, I try and I try and try and remain unbiased. I, I struggle well, I'm to be but... fully biased this year. It's like I said, it's twenty twenty. I'm all on board with just saying like, hey, we're going to win every game. Hey, hell yeah, twenty twenty. You know, might as well. If there was ever going to be a year, dead VU football would win big. It's going to be a year where it doesn't even matter. Of course, I, this is the year, though. You know, I. Watching West Virginia and, you know, watching some of these other Big 12 teams play, I think, you know, you look back a couple of years ago, Iowa State was that surprise team. Then you look last year, Baylor was that surprise team, made it all the way to the Big 12 championship game. Why not West Virginia this year? I believe, yeah. it, will, I believe it will be West Virginia this year because of I, Neil Brown. I've got a question. Like, you guys, because, I mean, we're getting towards the end of this podcast. We've already covered the game and everything. I'm curious because I, I was thinking about it some this week. Do you think Neil Brown would go on to the NFL if he has success here? Mm, not, not, not. I don't know. I, soon. It, would, it would be tempting, but I don't know. Just something about Neil Brown. I think that, like now that he's in a power five position, I think that he's the type of guy that he's going to stick around as long, as long as we'll have him. And I and like I'm talking, you know, coaches nowadays, you lucky if you get four or five years. But I'm talking Neil Brown's a guy that I could see here ten, fifteen, you know, maybe even twenty years. But I think you can get Neil Brown for at least ten years. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I'm really hoping so. I just don't see him as what I was. I just don't see him as much of a, an NFL coach. You know what I mean? I think he's in the. I think he's in the sport for the love of it, not necessarily the money of it. The money has to be nice to be able to take care of his family, but I don't think he wants to be. I think he enjoys coaching young men. You know what I mean? He like he likes molding young men. He likes molding the person as much as he does. And know, I think he has more of a family aspect. aspect. Yeah, yeah. he would, he likes that bond, and I just don't think he would like the atmosphere that it would carry into. It. So I just don't see Neil Brown going to the NFL anytime, even if we do have some success with him mm-hmm. and I, I don't think he would leave for a big program either yeah, I think, that's me I, I think he's a guy that's gonna he's gonna be loyal to you as long as you do right by him yeah and I'm glad if that's the case why would he have left Troy well I think I, I think I think you I think you know if as a coach you want to coach at the highest level and that's being in a power five conference when it comes to college football mm-hmm. now he's in that power five conference you know he could go to bigger higher prestige schools but you're still in that power five conference and i think if you can if you can win here you can win anywhere so why not just try and build your dynasty here build your legacy here in a way that no one really has you know and put your name up there with don nealon and you know rich rodriguez and what have you and i think a lot of it is i think more of it's i think he enjoys appalachia i think he enjoys being back close to i think we're lucky we got him before kentucky did because i think that'll be the yeah that's Really yeah. go after Neil Brown and be like, "Hey, look, you're you're from Kentucky, come to Kentucky." But I think he's gonna be like, "No, I think he's gonna be like, no, look, I'm where I want to be right now. Like, I'm not. Yeah, that's I'm that's not Charles. that's I'm not a step Kentucky. up to me, you know. That's yeah. I think West Virginia is yeah. years ahead of Kentucky in terms of football. Football, football I, for sure. I think coming from Troy, I think 
I think we gave him the location he wanted to be in, giving them giving him the brand of football that he wants to be able to play. Like I think credit Shane Lyons. I think Shane Lyons is one of the best athletic directors in the country right now. I mean, Absolutely. I recall that when he got hired. Heard hired him from Alabama. Still doing so damn good. You gotta I mean, imagine I'll, what the things he learned from being the athletic or the athletic department at Alabama. I mean, yeah, exactly. And he just like gave Neil Brown. I think he just gave him full freedom. Like, hey, like you do this however you want to. And uh, a little side note we didn't talk about, but I did want to mention. I really love the Jamal Adai and um, Jordan Leslie. Jordan Leslie combination that we got going on. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant strategy for the defense. I really do. Yeah, they asked him how it was working out through the first game, and he said Neil Brown said that he thought it worked out really well. He said I that they they balls. have a really good partnership in terms of how they instruct the defense and how they got it. And I I think our defense will be much improved, not just from recent years, but in, in the last ten twenty years. I mean, yeah, you got to think we've had some pretty good defenses. Some, that's a very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just love that like dynamic that we don't have a defensive coordinator that we're going with. You've got one guy that knows you're because di- that's just such two different worlds from your defensive backs, your defensive linemen, and like your mm-hmm. linebackers. You know what I mean? And so I think taking like the man that knows each one of those groups the best and having them sit down and formulate a game plan and not run it through another person who's like has to like try taking all that information. Yeah. You've just got the pure form of one and the other. And well, it's, it's perfect. So you can match that. up your coverages with your. With your fronts and everything, and you know, not have any miscommunication. Yeah, and it's like they know what each other wants to do. So it's like you know, third down long. You know, Jamal Adai is going to know. Hey, I want to bring some heat with the linebackers because they're going to try to set up a long pass, and Jamal's going to say, "Okay, then, well, we'll play some press and you know have some men sitting back so that way if they get over top, we can cover it." Exactly. And I just, I just think that's really, really smart on their behalf, and I'm really glad to see that. Yeah, you know, I kind of, I was okay with Vic Conan going. I like the dude, but. When all this stuff came out, I was on behalf of the on the on the half. Yeah, of the I think I think I think that's what you had to do. That's what you had the way you had to go with it. And I, I think I think and I think that you know we're our system's not changing. We're still running that same system, same schemes, and, and what have you. Because it's a lot. Everyone on the staff is the same uh, virtually, besides him and, and a couple other faces. So I think that's the one bright spot. Is you're not you didn't bring in another defense coordinator and try and change everything. You just, you know, hired from within, promoted from within, gave some guys some more responsibility, but kept the same concepts, which was what really helped the defense last year. And I think, and honestly, I think a big part of Vic Koenig was the people that were under him. Mm-hmm. I think he had, like, the brains behind it, like, the, oh, this is the kind of defense when they run and, like, this kind of scheme. But, I mean, I think the operations in general were are the people we have right now. I don't think we lost anything by losing Vic. You know, I, Not I think, in the long run. I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't. I, not that I necessarily love that he's gone, but I don't think it hurt right. West Virginia in, in as big as a way as a lot of fans were initially, you know, making it out to be. He's only here for a season. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What everybody was so upset about, other than hey, I was okay with him going. Hey, you know, uh, defense still looks good to me. So it's just it's all about the product they put on the field, really. Anyway, right. in the in the end, so that's that's what matters, and it looks you know, the same and, you know, maybe even better than it did last season. So that's yeah. – And on the other side, I do, like the, I do like the offensive coordinator that we brought in to kind of – Yeah, I think uh, so too. I think he's brought some good ideas and really uh, some new new concepts to the to the, to the the offense, especially a run game-wise. I know we said they only ran one or two plays, but uh, there's one or two plays I've never seen them run last season. So, you know, they've really uh, stepped it up and, and switched things up and found what the players do well, what the offensive line blocks well, and I think really molded those two together. 
And I think that really helps out No Brown a lot because I think he has like a big a big brain for the game. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And I think being able to bring in somebody that kind of like sees his vision, and is like, okay, this is how we can achieve what you're trying to do. We can run this kind of offense with this kind of flow and this kind of movement and these kind of plays. And we're going to get the same effect that you wanted, but in this Power Five Big Twelve setting. And yeah, I think that I think that has just been wonderful. And I I respect him a lot for being able to step back, and like, hey, like this ain't about me. This is about my team. Like, and if I need that person to come, like, if my ideas aren't translating onto the field, then I need to be able to find somebody that can make that happen. Yeah, well, you want to know my big my bet or my favorite move that Neil Brown's made since he's been the coach? My favorite hire. Uh, other than Jamal Adai, I know it's worth <laughs> a minute. I love that hire. But oh, yeah. my favorite sure. hire other than that is him bringing D- um, Jeff Castile back as a defensive analyst. Yeah. That is, yeah. in my mind, that is genius. There's well, no you know, and then he's promoted after the after the coding thing. He's the uh, inside – is inside or outside? It's one of the linebackers. He's coaching one of the linebacker, linebackers now, actually. Yeah. I mean, like, in terms of a defensive mind that knows West Virginia football – that knows the culture, that knows how to play good defense and has done that at multiple places he's coached at, I think that's one of the best guys to have. I mean, you lose Tony Gibson, that's the guy you won't fill in his spot. He's oh, yeah. Well, that's a guy with you know, 30 years of coaching experience, not not as a coordinator in defense, but as a guy that's a position coach that can advise these younger guys that are running the defense and just another eye that they can look up and, and, you know, see some things and give some tips to these guys and can only help you. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I love the moves we've made. I, lo- I love the team that and the program that Neil Brown is, is building here. And I think it's only, it's only it's going very, to continue to get better to continue to get better. Dabba, it's just tip oh yeah, absolutely. You can see it. You hear the two guys talk, they talk similar. There's the way they do things similar. And, you know, hopefully the results end up uh, being similar as well. Uh, talk about Dabba, Sweeney really doesn't ever lose any assistant coaches or anything like that. Cause they're so dedicated to the program yeah. where you got Nick oh, Saban. Undoubtedly, amazing head coach, but he's he's just a factory of coaches. You know what I mean? Like they come in yeah. and out every year. Absolutely. But I think that which would you rather have? Oh, I'd rather would have the rather have... program a uh, hundred times out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think what? so too. Just, I like the program building. If you were to compare Coach to Neil Brown around the country, who would you compare him to? If I could compare him to any coach, it would be Davis Rooney. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think I think that, that I think that, that I've made that and... point before yeah. on the show. I think you guys have too. Yeah, it's, he's, he's a younger version of that guy to me. And, you know, like I said, hopefully the results turn out similarly. And uh, more importantly, hopefully West Virginia has some uh, some good results on Saturday. Um, can pull a big win, you know, would kind of be the first really signature win, if you will, for Neil Brown. And it would probably put West Virginia into the top 25 for the first oh, time since, uh, since Neil Brown took over as head coach. So, Big one coming up on Saturday, Big 12 Conference opener, uh, first away game of the season, taking on a top 15 opponent, uh, a chance to make some noise. Um, any final thoughts before we close things out here, gentlemen? Uh, what do you got, Bradley? Uh, it's going to be an exciting one, and I could really – this game could go a million different ways, and I'm just – thank God we've got football is how I feel about it. Absolutely. I mean, we didn't think we'd even be here, let alone talking about playing yeah. Oklahoma State and thinking about winning in week four, whatever this is technically, mm-hmm. and just – um, my thoughts. I'm just gonna throw this out there because you know I want to keep my. I, I want to see how good I'm doing this year. If we win this game, I'm gonna say we're ranked number twenty and we're up there with Marshall and we're living good. So yeah, hopefully we jump them. 
Could be. <laughs> you, know, it's, yeah, you never, I mean, they're a better team. They beat the same team they beat and the better team that they beat. So. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. They beat a ranked Appalachian State. I think a ranked Oklahoma State kind of trumps that. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, Stephen, what about you? Uh, final thoughts here uh, as we close out this Oklahoma State uh, preview show. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to have football back too. Uh, I know we didn't think we was going to have it, but I'm. I'm just excited that we're going to actually have a football game this weekend that we can actually get up for. You know, we can have our, our blood boiled a little bit for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adrenaline going, not so much of a, you know, we expect to win so much. So that's what I'm excited for. That's what I've been missing um, ever since last season. So I'm just ready to see it, man. I'm ready to see how football. well we match up. Yep. Get to see at least, uh, I guess this, at least one big game so far this year. Hopefully get to see the other eight too, but you know, this is going to be a intense one, big 12 conference opener, ranked opponent. Uh, this is kind of stuff you you live for. It's like you said, make or break. National this TV, is, uh, ABC. Oh, yep. one more thing. One more thing. thing. Uh, out, to, out to the fans out there. We might have something a little exciting going on for you guys next week-ish. So, you know, if you're still out there listening to an hour. things in the work. I hope you guys are paying attention next week because we got we got some stuff brewing. We, we got, got some, some things in the works. We uh, things cooking up. Yeah, we were doing some some scheming right. in the background. We're, uh, we're we're always thinking, you know, you know, always thinking. Also, Jared Deggy show. We're making progressions. Oh, <laughs> oh, I see what he did there. You see where he went? I like that. I like that. I like that. All right, so I guess that's uh, that's it, gentlemen. Uh, Ready to watch the Mountaineers on Saturday. Hopefully we'll come back and do Oklahoma State review for an undefeated 2-0 Mountaineers team and a team that's 1-0 in Big 12 play. But we'll see how it all goes down Saturday. 3.30 kick uh, televised nationally on ABC. Mountaineers versus the number 15 Oklahoma State Cowboys. We'll be uh, parked in front of our TVs uh, checking this one out. Hopefully you guys will too, and hopefully you guys will continue to check us out here on the Country Roads webcast. Find us on any podcast platform you choose. We're all over the place. Uh, follow us on uh, Twitter, at WVU Country Roads. Like our Facebook page, search Country Roads webcast, and uh, continue to support us as we continue to try and grow and uh, talk Mountaineer football and Mountaineer sports with you guys. But uh, having said that, as always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, for Stephen and Bradley. Until next time, let's go Mountaineers.